this is Jamie Andelin, and you are listening to my podcast, Your Turn on Desire. I used to have very little desire for sex. This became an issue in my marriage. It was the only thing we were arguing about. So I learned how to stop avoiding sex, and I learned how to look forward to it and enjoy it instead. And this improved my marriage and my personal life more than I could even imagine it would. So then I helped hundreds of women in my coaching business ditch the low desire struggle. And now I'm sharing the secrets here. Welcome. Hello, friends. In this episode, we are going to explore the idea of having sexual authority and what it means and then what it means to share that part of ourself with someone else if you choose to share that with them. This episode is specifically for women who are experiencing low sexual desire and are married to men who are experiencing high sexual desire. At least their desire seems to be higher than their wives' desire and this is causing some frustration and friction in their marriage. We'll answer questions such as what sexual authority is, why it's important to have it, and how to develop it over time. But something I want to bring your attention to is that over the last five years when I have been helping women specifically understand their sexuality and deal with the things that need to be dealt with so they can be at peace in their sex lives, is that sexual authority comes up on every single one of my calls. When I get off the call and I'm really pondering these beautiful women, and after going through the struggle myself, as I'm pondering what the root cause of low desire and sex struggles are for each of them individually, I have to say that at the root for each person, no matter what their other struggles they have going on are, they are lacking sexual authority over themselves. And they have good reasons for this. There are religious teachings and worldly messages that they have been swimming in that make them believe that their bodies are not their own, that their sexuality exists to please another and to help manage another person's emotions and stress and anxieties. That sex is to be used as a way to make someone else feel better, validate someone else, or give someone else pleasure. And they have always had to rely on someone outside of them to give them education and information about their bodies. There is a lot of shame that is placed upon people for taking authority and educating themselves on their sexuality and their bodies. And so... This this is why they have good reasons to be lacking sexual authority. I'm kind of already getting into what sexual authority even is, so let's go ahead and start explaining that. What is sexual authority? I already started explaining sexual authority in a way, but let's start defining exactly what sexual authority is and what it means and looks like to have it. I'm also hoping that you will catch on to the skills you will need to be this sexual authority in your life. So be listening for examples of these skills throughout the episode. Self-knowledge, self-respect, confidence, self-assurance, empathy, compassion for yourself, and true intimacy with yourself and another. 
Sexual authority means that you are the sexual expert in your life. You are the one who determines how you use your sexuality. You don't see or think about anything sexual as good or bad. You just know that sexuality is a part of you and you get to decide to use sex for good or bad. You are the one who decides how you would like to participate in any sexual activity with oneself or with another. You are the one who gets to understand your own body and soul clearly enough that you know how to work, and you are the one who is responsible for teaching someone how you work. If you choose to share this part of yourself with them, you are the one who controls and decides how you respond to your partner when they touch you or not, and you decide who you want to be when your partner responds to you in ways that you like or ways that turn you off. When you are your own sexual authority, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you are in or not, but you do not owe anyone anything sexually ever. You get to decide the rules and regulations around how you share your sexuality, and other people get to decide whether they want to participate or not. And then they have a choice to manage their sexuality within the marriage as well. In a marriage, it can be a little confusing on how to practice sexual authority because we are learning to be fair and decent friends with our spouses at the same time as we are trying to be our own sexual authorities. So as we're trying to be these fair, decent friends and partners and be a sexual authority, you know, it can feel... Like it is just a little confusing to understand, but I hope that by the end of this episode, you will have a better understanding. Of course, it's impossible to give a short and personal answer on a podcast episode. So if you're ready to dive into the work of sexual authority and learning how to stop struggling with low desire and make your sexual life way better than it is now, then my online program is the perfect place for you to do this, and that is opening for enrollment in July 2023. So listen up for that announcement that will be coming. Why is having sexual authority important? Let's discuss why having sexual authority is important in any intimate relationship, including the benefits it can have for both partners. We'll also explore why it might be challenging for some individuals to develop this authority. When you have sexual authority and you really understand the freedom that comes to you when you've developed this authority, you allow your spouse to have sexual authority as well, as opposed to needing them to have a higher or lower desire, you accept their desire and sexuality as their own. And you accept the freedom they have to be who they want to be sexually because you give yourself the freedom to be who you are sexually. And so you completely understand there are reasons for what they choose to want and not want sexually. And they understand themselves and their bodies and are in charge of themselves. You know this because you know this about yourself. The freedom that you have when you are the sexual authority in your life is also a turn on because when you feel trapped or boxed up or as if somebody else determines your sex life and what that looks like 
or someone else is in charge of your sexuality, then you experience a feeling of obligation, which is the opposite of freedom and choice. And of course, this obligation will also lead to guilt. Guilt around your sexual decisions are not a turn on. Feeling obligated to help someone else live up to their own ideas of what their sex life should look like is a turnoff for many women. Unfortunately, this is especially one of the dynamics that happen in marriage. One person has an expectation of what their sex life should be like and look like, and the other isn't isn't living up to that expectation. And so they pressure their spouse to change that so that their expectations can be met. I have found it to be very true that in most cases when women are struggling with low desire, they are also not their own authorities over their sexualities and are therefore not allowing the sexual part of themselves to evolve. The sexual parts of ourselves are meant to grow, mature, and evolve over the years. But if we are not our own authorities, then we push the brakes on this evolving of our sexual selves. Our sexuality will stay immature and unevolved, and we will not be able to be fully expressed women if we are not our own sexual authorities. Without this evolving, many women say they feel like something is missing in their lives. They're not quite sure what it is. And instead of dealing with the sexual parts of themselves and helping that part of themselves evolve so that they can feel whole and complete and fully expressed as a woman, they tend to go to cheaper kinds of pleasures or more instantaneous kinds of immediate moment type of pleasures. And they are usually more stressed or burned out than they imagined they would be. And they feel they need help, but aren't sure what will really help them. So I would like to share a story um, to explain what it means to stay unevolved sexually. So after we had been married for several years, I was a stay-at-home mom of four children. I was busy in my life with them and also my home. I was making some money here and there, but I didn't have a full-time job by any means. I had some friends that were in physical close proximity to me, but I was struggling emotionally. I didn't feel very connected to the people around me. My husband was initiating the we need to have more sex talk often. I told him I didn't enjoy intercourse, and that was very hurtful for him to process. I was fine, you know, that saying, I'm fine, but I wasn't very happy, honestly. Something seemed to be missing. Um, I tried to start up different hobbies. I was searching for friends um, and hobbies and a better relationship with my husband, but I kept missing the mark on all of it. I just felt like I was putting one foot in front of the other every day and just getting through the day, but not really enjoying myself as much as I thought I would at this stage of my life. I literally had everything I had ever been taught that was worth having, <laughs> like that what, what, what I should be working for. And I just wasn't as happy as I thought I should be. Just when I thought that everything was going pretty okay, this would happen to me often. I would think like, okay, I had sex, like um, the kids are in bed, everything's going okay. Like my, um, I have my house pretty organized, um, check, check, check. You know, I was kind of just like going off the checklist of things I thought I should be doing. My husband would initiate the talk again, like, hey, we need to have sex. Something's not going well. 
And I would be so surprised. I thought we were doing pretty good, but he seemed to not feel the same as I did. And it was so confusing. So I decided to make sex my hobby. I know this sounds funny, but there were so many things I didn't know about this part of myself and I wanted to know them. So I started with getting a mirror and I looked at myself, like literally my vulva. I looked at it. I studied myself. I learned about my menstrual cycle. I learned how to have an orgasm every time. I wanted to have an orgasm every time I had sex. If I wasn't going to have an orgasm, I decided I didn't want to have sex. That was just something that I became committed to. I studied Amrita orgasms, which is where a woman basically comes and squirts, and I didn't even know that those existed. I bought toys that could help me do this. I got curious about what else my body could do. I learned about the clitoris. I went to pelvic floor therapy, and I strengthened my pelvic floor. I really cared for this part of myself. I developed so much self-compassion for this part of me. I started personifying the sexual part of myself, and I listened to her as if she was a really good friend. I heard that she was angry. She was angry that she had been shut down my whole life. She was angry that I gave leaders of my church more say about what I did with my body than what I gave myself. She was angry about the teachings and messages that I was swimming in that prevented me from opening up sexually and sharing this with my husband. For a church that taught so openly about how important marriage was, they sure did cause a lot of problems in my marriage by creating so much shame around sexuality. I allowed myself to feel all this. It was angry. It was bitter. It was There was a lot of this going on, and it made sense to me that I was feeling disconnected from the people around me and from feeling really happy because there was so much inside of me that hadn't been looked at or addressed. It made sense to me that I was struggling with my husband. There were parts of me that were undiscovered and they were undeveloped and angry. And I was carrying this around with me all the time. I thought that housework and chores and looking perfect and productive were more important than being a sexual person. And this caused me to stop making my husband a top priority in my life. He felt it. I felt it. It was a struggle. Taking the time to evolve sexually To give this sexual part of me a voice was what helped me become a fully expressed woman. I became me, authentically me, which was really freaking happy and sassy and a mixture of all kinds of things I didn't always allow myself to experience. But once I did, I was free. I was alive. I was wise and mature. And this changed the kind of sexual relationship I had with my husband. When a woman develops her sexual authority, this is not only beneficial for her to help her evolve this part of herself, to strengthen her sexual desire, and to have freedom to decide how she uses her sexuality, but this also benefits her partner because she will be more fully expressed as a whole woman, which any good man and partner will love this about his woman. And a fully expressed woman who is more whole and complete because she has allowed this part of herself to evolve is a happier woman overall. That doesn't mean she's without discomfort. In fact, a lot of times, women who are dealing with the sexual part of themselves or allowing more of a full range of emotions, so things that she had been holding back tend to come up to the surface, and she starts dealing with a lot of the stuff that which has caused her to have a full range of emotions, 
But this full range of emotions and her dealing with these things is actually what is creating more intimacy with herself. So she's learning about herself. She's learning who she is. She's getting to know herself on a deep level. She's learning to know herself better and deeper, and she's learning to be more honest with herself and others. And when she knows how to do this, she can share this with her partner if she wants to and feels safe to. This kind of honest sharing of oneself deepens the intimacy between the two of them. And if you choose for this relationship to also be sexual, then this intimacy is a key to a fulfilling sexual relationship for both of them. When a woman has developed sexual authority, she is also understanding her body on a much deeper level scientifically. And biologically, she is supporting herself. Her sex hormones are regulating and she's able to teach this lifestyle to her partner. She is cycling through different kinds of sex and different kinds of intimacy depending on where she's at in her cycle. The benefit of her knowledge is that her partner no longer takes her sexual desire personally. So in a lot of marriages, the husband with a higher desire is feeling rejected often. But once the woman understands how she works and she's able to explain this and teach this to her higher desire partner, the higher desire learns how to really love a a woman. He learns how to love his wife specifically, which is different than the dynamics that have been going on between them before. Because before he was confused why she wasn't more like him, why his desire and her desire weren't more equal and his sexuality is enmeshed with hers. And so he feels when she isn't choosing to turn to him sexually, that it's a personal rejection of him. Without this understanding that she is different, that she works differently, that her desire ebbs and flows differently than his, that she is the authority over her body and what kind of sex life she wants, and this may be, may be different than what her partner expected, and that she is the expert and the teacher of her body, without all this knowledge, he tends to carry around a lot of rejection with him. And this is not anyone's fault, and I don't want to dismiss the rejection or diminish how painful this is. A lot of men are experiencing this rejection because of what we've been taught around sexuality and what sex should be like in a marriage. And a lot of women don't have the knowledge and understanding of sexuality to really teach their partners how they work and what they desire unapologetically. And the man may have preconceived ideas around sex that put a lot of pressure on him to provide pleasure for her. A lot of women have been taught that the man will provide for them, that a man will know how she works and will be able to take care of that. And this is quite frankly, not the case at all. Most of the time, if individuals in the marriage have sex struggles, then the man and woman are both missing the mark on a woman's pleasure and a woman's sexuality. Oftentimes, there are a lot of things they're doing that are not very supportive to the sex life of a marriage and making sex really good for her. So when a woman has sexual authority and she's the expert and she can lovingly guide and direct her partner into what she is like sexually and to get to know the sexual part of her and to share this with him, he benefits greatly because sex will be great for her. She will have a lot of peace around who she is sexually and his rejection melts away and they go to bed at peace with themselves and each other every night. And... Above all this, 
she's going to be caring for her body in the best way possible. She's going to feel so much better physically, mentally, emotionally when she knows her body, she understands her body. Her sexuality is deeply connected to her sense of self, is deeply connected to her own pleasures and her own desires that are non-sexual, and her sex hormones, which are contributing to her digestion, her sleep, her mood, her ability to process stress. So when she's taking the authority in her life and she's being the authority and she's learning all these things and she's becoming the expert of her body and over her sexuality, of course she's going to thrive more on an individual level. And when someone is thriving individually, of course that spills over and it impacts the people in their lives for good. Now, all of this being said, it's not as simple or as easy as it might seem Or maybe it doesn't seem simple and easy because maybe you are struggling to understand sexual authority and being the expert and letting that sexual part of you evolve maybe causing you to struggle navigating how to be the sexual authority. And I want you to know that this is completely normal because there are some challenges that come up and it can be really difficult to be the sexual authority in your life, especially in a partnership. One of those challenges is the false idea that sexual energy is stronger than we are. Many women are afraid and resist evolving the sexual part of themselves because they don't want to get carried away or they think that being too sexual is bad, like they will end up cheating or becoming a stripper or something. And that's just not the case because you always, always, always have a choice in what you want to do sexually and how you will use your sexuality. And you get to decide if you want to use it for good and if what you're doing sexually is creating goodness in your life, then you know that you're using it for good. Another challenge is that some women suspect that their husband won't be able to fulfill them. They think that he isn't capable of handling her sexuality and that if she is too sexual, then she will be too much or too wild for him and she will be left feeling unfulfilled. So she tones down the central part of her as a way to keep herself from disappointment. Another one of those challenges is you might have been taught since you were a child that you were not the authority, that somebody else is in charge of this part of you. Somebody else gets to decide how you use this part of you. Somebody else, whether it be a parent or a church, a church leader, etc., decides what is right and what is wrong And they tell you the do's and don'ts. And there can be a lot of limits, fear, and anxiety around sex because of this delegation of authority. This can make it really difficult to decide to now be the authority in your life. Depending on how ingrained the idea of someone else being your authority is inside of you. So when it comes to your own sexuality, there might be rules and ideas and expectations around what you wear or what you don't wear, what you touch, what you don't touch, what is okay to do sexually and what isn't. There isn't anything that is inherently wrong or negative about anything sexual, but the fact that somebody else is in charge of these decisions for you and has given you the list of rules and expectations and you were not the one who decided these things, that's what makes it hard because you're often thinking that you can't decide. Like, it's wrong for you to decide how you use your sexuality and how to evolve sexually. 
This is a big misunderstanding in a lot of women who are raised in very conservative and or religious homes. As children, it's good to have someone be our authority and teach us as we are learning and maturing. But what should be happening is that we are also taught to start being our own authority and to start paying attention to the results of our choices and to change our rules and ideas around sex to match the results that we personally want. Especially if we are experiencing frustration and sadness in our sex lives, we should have been taught that many of the rules we are living by that someone else gave us needs to be questioned. And these rules need to be changed to move beyond the struggles and to not stay stuck. For example, many women are taught that touching themselves on their vulva is wrong. But then when they are married and being sexual, They aren't experiencing sexual pleasure through intercourse. At the same time, they are resisting touching themselves and helping their pleasure and orgasm along. So the fruits of not touching themselves are that they don't experience the pleasure they are meant to experience while being sexual with their spouse. And this is causing their desire to be low and is causing unnecessary struggles in their sexual relationships. And when she understands that she gets to now decide what she does sexually and nobody else can make the rules for her, then she gets to evolve her choices and she gets to redefine what she does sexually as a woman. If her goal is to enjoy sex with her husband, then she will be open to new ways of experiencing pleasure during sex with the intent that she is strengthening her sexual connection and doing her part at contributing to ending the sex struggles that have they have been experiencing as a couple. As the sexual authority in her life, she will think, what is good for me and my partner and what do I need to change so that I can experience the good things I desire? If she is tired of the arguments or the disconnect, then as her own authority, She will change the rules she is living by in order to do her part in ending the frustrations. But it's not that easy because you'll find yourself questioning a lot of people and authorities that you trusted and your new ideas may not be typical or may be different than many other people's ideas or what you think other people's ideas are. And being your own authority doesn't come without challenges, right? So learning how to overcome and question all these things is difficult, but the rewards are worth it. Another challenge that can get in the way of being the sexual authority in your life is the idea of expectations versus agreements. I want to bring attention to the difference between expectations and agreements because most married couples do not have agreements around their sex lives together. Most of them have expectations that are assumed by one or each of them, but they are not coming together as two whole individuals who each are their own sexual authority and co-creating a sex life that they both agree on and love. They are not co-creating and collaborating together. They are just expecting something from their spouse, and then when that doesn't happen, they feel at a loss. Or they are aware of their spouse's expectations, but they don't have their own expectations. So they are always feeling like they are falling short and not living up to their spouse's expectations. 
An example of this is what happened between Tom and Hannah. When Hannah came to me, she was not feeling a great connection between her and her husband, Tom, which I'll explain why in a minute. But she expected a certain kind of connection before she allowed herself to desire sex with Tom. But neither of them had been very clear with each other about their expectations. They just assumed that the other should know. And when the connection or the sex didn't happen in the way one of them expected, there was a lot of confusion between them. One time, Hannah was starting up her own business and she wanted to go all in and quit her job and put all of her efforts in her business. Tom didn't want her to do that and almost daily would talk about how stressed he felt about money and didn't think she could make enough in her business. His stress is totally valid and she also felt unsupported by him by the way he was handling the situation. So this put a wedge between them, and as long as she felt unsupported, then she didn't want sex with him. So this is the kind of connection she wanted with him. She wanted to feel supported. When she felt supported and seen, she was turned on. She wanted sex with him. And Tom, he kept asking for sex in order to ensure that she and him were doing well. And... So like an example of this would be like if he felt like something was off with her, like like she was kind of distant or pulling away, he wanted sex to kind of bring them together. So he was expecting sex to bring them together. And she would have sex to make him feel better when she came to me. She was doing this. But she really didn't desire sex with him because she wanted sex to be with someone whom she felt supported by. And she kept trying to live up to his expectations around sex, which just caused more distancing between them. Instead of this dynamic, this like Tom expecting sex to kind of bring them together and Hannah wanting to feel supported before she allowed sex, what worked better is they both agreed upon the final destination they wanted to go. Honesty being supportive to each other and sex could still be used as a gauge that things were going well between the two of them. But if they aren't doing well, then it can be agreed on that they should be working on things and not for sex as a way to say things are good when they really aren't. And they agreed to not use sex as a way to make things better. They agreed to work on the things that would actually make things good between them So like if money was the issue, they need to make more money, not force more sex. They agreed on these things. So they were each clear on what they were doing in their relationship and how sex works between the two of them. Hannah said, when you are showing me that you are supportive of me, then I feel connected and seen by you. And my desire for sex with you is good. Tom could acknowledge this. And they could work together on being supportive of each other and how they are going to make sure stresses with money will be handled and supported in hand, with Hannah in, in her business. They, can collab, they collaborated together on their finances and businesses so that they were both in agreement on these subjects in their lives. 
And Tom said, and when we are having sex regularly, then I can see that things between us are good. So when things are good, Hannah and Tom agreed to make sure sex was a priority for them. This is an example of an agreement. Your agreements do not have to look like Hannah and Tom's agreements. Your situation doesn't have to be exactly like Hannah and Tom's, and it's almost impossible to make everyone's situation on this podcast personal. But when you can like think to yourself, what is my situation? What might I be expecting that I could make an agreement with on my, with my spouse. I could collaborate with them and we could come up with an agreement instead of me just going around expecting things to be the way they are. When things between Tom and Hannah are going well, they make good regular sex together happen and they make this a priority. And if things are off, then they work on the things that are off before they have sex. So this is something that you can think about in your life. Like, how does this apply to me and what is my version of this in my relationship? Here's another example of an agreement between Jen and her husband, Ryan. Okay, Jen said to Ryan, I don't want to even try to have sex a couple days before my period because it's too hard to get aroused and intercourse doesn't feel that good. So I want to plan in other forms of emotional intimacy and connection on these days instead of intercourse being an option. Ryan listened and respected Jen's authority and desire, and they agreed that intercourse wouldn't be expected on those days. This required Jen and Ryan to keep track of her cycle and what day she was on. Ryan asked what days of her cycle she did enjoy intercourse, and she told him that she had noticed that on days 12 to 15, that intercourse felt the best. So they agreed that those days were the best times to prioritize and plan in intercourse. This meant that Jen would make sure she got in the mood on those days, and Ryan would help make intercourse good for them both on those days, so that Jen would think about it in positive ways And they would both have evidence that intercourse during that time of her cycle was a fun, good thing they did together. Keeping this agreement together creates a lot of peace between them. There weren't expectations, just agreements. And they trusted each other to keep the agreement by showing up and being good friends who keep their words and agreements together. Ryan stopped initiating the we need to have more sex talk because he trusted that Jen and him worked together and prioritize regular sex and Jen trusted that they would have other forms of intimacy prioritized between them throughout the month and she didn't have to expect other forms of connection with Ryan without being aware of what without Ryan being aware of what she expected so how can you develop sexual authority Since we've talked about what sexual authority is and why it's important, and then we've talked about the challenges that get in the way, I would like to talk about how you can develop sexual authority. I would like to offer you a number of tips and tricks that help anyone develop or enhance their sexual authority. One, seek sexual education, specifically around women's bodies, and even more specifically, your own body. When you're seeking sexual education, learn how to have an orgasm. 
and hint, it probably doesn't involve intercourse. Learn how your sex hormones determine your sexual desire and learn to cycle the kind of intimacy you engage in depending on where your hormones are at in your cycle. Decide to start from scratch if you need to and decide what kind of sex life you want and undo the rules and ideas that don't lead to that kind of sex life. Two, learn to communicate. Communication doesn't always mean talking, though talking is important, but we also communicate through the messages we send to our spouses by our actions. Our actions are also flavored with the thoughts and feelings we have while we are taking action. This is the vibe in which we behave. Be aware of what your intentions are. Be aware of the verbal and nonverbal messages you are sending your spouse. Be aware of how you are talking to yourself and how you treat yourself and how this impacts you as a sexual person. Is what you're doing making you feel turned on or is what you're doing making you feel turned off? Three, build trust with your partner by creating evidence that you are invested in them and the physical, emotional, and sexual part of yourself and your relationship. Share with them what you're learning. Share with them what you're thinking about. Don't leave them having to guess and give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, here's some real-life examples in this section. I'm going to share some real-life examples of individuals who have successfully developed sexual authority over time. Sarah was a client of mine who thought that sex needed to be serious all the time. We aren't sure where she got this idea from, but she had it. And it prevented her from having fun in the bedroom. Becoming her own authority meant that she decided what sex was supposed to be like. She decided that she wanted sex to be fun and playful. She wanted sex to be something she looked forward to in her busy life. She made a fun playlist she bought wigs and clothes that she that felt fun and playful in. She set the tone in the bedroom and invited her husband to join in on the fun that she was creating. My client Whitney had a similar experience when the sexual relationship between her and her husband had evolved into something boring to her over the years. Her and her husband had stopped cultivating eroticism between the two of them. It was just live life and then sex was expected to just happen even though there was very little connection between them. There was very little interaction outside of the daily tasks and work and life. She actually was craving sex to be something that kind of swept her off her feet. She wanted sex to take her out of the roles that she was in in her daily life. She wanted to be turned on during the day. Not that sex happened daily, but she wanted there to be teasing and flirting and little things here and there that turn her on so that she was ready to attack her husband. And then she wanted him, and these are her words, to F her. She didn't like that he would just kind of grab her boobs during the day because it felt out of nowhere for her. There wasn't any lead up to it. She wanted the lead up to make him, she wanted them to like tease each other and she wanted there to be time in between their lovemaking so that she got so turned on that she couldn't take it anymore and she was grabbing his hand and putting him on her breast. This is what she desired her sex life to be like. Liz decided to stop feeling bad about how simple she wanted sex with her husband to be. 
She wanted to get really present in the sex they were having. She used to call the sex they had vanilla, but she decided to stop calling it that because it had such a negative undertone behind it and she was judging herself for it. So she decided to get really present and mindful when they kissed. She decided to be in her body and feel the good sensations of missionary pose or, or position. Sorry, missionary pose. It's like yoga. Missionary position. She wanted to try some toys to get her turned on and aroused pretty quickly so she wouldn't feel so impatient in the sex that they were having. Sarah, Liz, and Whitney allowing themselves to imagine and admit these things to themselves and then actually communicating this and creating these circumstances in their lives are real-life examples of them using their sexual authority. I hope the personal examples I've shared of my clients will help you think about your own life and that you'll think to yourself, how can I apply this to myself, to my own personal situation? How can I think, what is my version of this? And then how can I work on having a sexual authority in my own life? I don't share examples to make you feel bad or to give you like exact situations that you should be working through. Though you may find that you relate with these people, everyone's situation is different and personal. So on a podcast episode, you have to have the skills of being able to say, How does this apply to me? What is my version of this? And then start working on those things. If it is so difficult for you that you cannot think like, what is my version of this? Or you're not sure, you feel confused or frustrated. That's when reaching out for more help is going to be beneficial for you so you can make this personal for yourself. If you're able to think, what is my version of this? And you start working on things and you're experiencing great results and everything's great and you have zero problems in your sex life, then hallelujah. Please go forth and prosper in that. But in conclusion, I would like to recap some of the main takeaways from this episode. So if you are not your own sexual authority, there will be so many unnecessary sexual challenges between you and your partner. Lack of sexual authority is the main reason people struggle in their sexual relationships that I have noticed. Being your own sexual authority means you decide what you want your sex life to be like and you decide how you will use your sexuality to get you to this destination. Nobody else makes the rules for you. You are the one who decides. If you're still living according to your parents' rules or church leader rules or anyone else um, and you feel obligated to live up to your spouse's expectations, it's probably causing contention and frustration in your relationship and it's time to rethink all those ideas. We are going for an end result here of a fun and happy sex life, and you're the one who decides how you're going to get there. There are a number of challenges to work on and overcome. Nothing is without discomfort and challenges. But on the other side is freedom and peace, and it's worth the work. If you are ready to dive into being your own sexual authority and end the sex struggles in your relationship, then my online program is perfect for you. There is a lot of content in there already and I'm still adding to it monthly and will for life. There are Q&A calls and coaching calls with me and the replay of those calls are available to everyone in the program. There will continue to be calls for life once you've enrolled. 
you have access to all of the con the current content and the content that will be added for life. And if you're interested, we also have a Slack community where we can connect in between our calls. I share more personal examples of my sex life in there, and I help people work through their specific situations. There are also extra resources and celebrations and inspiration in the group as well if you're looking for that sort of thing. I just want to thank you for being here. A lot of work goes into creating each podcast episode, and it sure does mean a lot that you would take time out of your life to listen. I appreciate the messages I get on Instagram and through email about how much you enjoy the podcast and how much it has helped you, and it really keeps me going and it encourages me to keep creating content. It would also mean the world to me if you left a review on this podcast to show your appreciation. It's helpful for those who are also seeking help in their sexual relationships to be able to read through the positive reviews and see what they can expect from this podcast. I am rooting for you. Whether you are a woman or a man, I want you to experience the peace and happiness that comes from strengthening your sexual relationship. I can give hard truths sometimes, but it's because I want you to be at peace with who you are and I want you to have a great sex life. See you next time.